Welcome to the Future Is podcast, where we explore the future of your life and business. I'm your host, Joe Tobis. Our regular listeners know I'm a future shaper and oversee global marketing here at Honeywell. And today I have to cross a few oceans to launch season two. And I'm visiting beautiful Dubai to learn more about smart cities. Cities will need to be smart to prepare for an influx of people. The UN predicts that by 2050, two out of every three people will live in cities or urban centers. Within the next decade, by 2030, for those of you counting, the world will have 43 megacities of more than 10 million inhabitants. Dina Tamimi has more than a decade of experience in smart cities and currently leads areas that contribute to smart cities like transportation, healthcare, and hospitality. Dina, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So smart cities, other than being a really cool way of talking about it, what is that? Oh, wow. That's a really big question, Joe. Um, so you can ask 10 people to define a smart city and you're going to get 12 different answers. You know, we look at smart cities as really smart cities are made up of smart buildings and they consist of various technologies that make a city smart, such as smart metering, the smart buildings that I've mentioned, centralized command and control centers, um, using sensors in locations for to help the city make smarter decisions, to make a smoother experience for the residents of the city, and to have a safer and more sustainable experience for all who live in those cities. So when we're thinking about it, as I just mentioned in the preview, many of us either live in cities or will in the in the decades to come. What will look different in the future, or will it be hidden from us what's what's different in in the future yeah well a lot of things will be hidden in the sense that it'll just be about the experience you'll have a better experience in the coming years or decades in terms of how technology makes your life easier what would be an experience that would sort of be behind the scenes that would be easier because of the smart cities. Let's say, for example, we'll take a building, you know, the, the building that you might live in or, or let's say that you work in, you know, the building becoming more intelligent to understand when the spaces are being occupied to uh, reduce, for, for example, here in Dubai, where we use air conditioning throughout mm -hmm. the year, um, you know, to use air conditioning in a more optimum way to improve sustainability and to improve the systems within that building and to have a better experience so that we're not always necessarily freezing cold, sitting in right. the air conditioning all right. year, and that, that we're in a comfortable environment. So we may not see it, but we'll be feeling it. And, it, and the buildings will get smarter um, and the way that the cities are operating will get better. So another example could be, for example, let's say smart waste management and smart, you know, um, using the technology to enhance and optimize the routing of the garbage collection around the city. So, you know, so garbage collectors won't be going, doing their rounds during times of peak congestion or during, you know, heavy traffic times, and it will help reduce the congestion in these cities. And like you mentioned, with these mega cities and millions of people, you know, increasing the pressure on the cities, now we're going to need more and more solutions to reduce that 
congestion to right. reduce the traffic problems that many of these mega cities have. So that's interesting. I hadn't even really thought about it. When I when I think of smart cities, I think of buildings, and I I, I always think of it within just the building sector, right? Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. heat and and air conditioning and and the controls there. That makes sense to me, and and it's great that we're figuring that out. But the interplay then you're talking about with with transportation and probably there's a, a number of, of interplays that are going to be created i'm sure congestion is probably a big one yeah. for us and you'll have and and i'll tell you exactly what that interplay is and what it is it's about integrating sensors in the trash cans sensors in the trash cans that will inform the waste collection services that a trash can is full and ready to be picked up. It'll be sensors in the streets for us to understand how the traffic patterns are at the moment. It'll be the street traffic lights and you know managing those in such a way where they're optimized. And, and then lastly, the routing of the drivers of these waste collection companies. So I think what I'm learning here is that it's smart garbage is, a bi- <laughs> is big business. I mean, it can be, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I'm taking that away. How do you tell if you're in a smart city? And actually, let me take it a step back. Is there the smartest city in the world right now? There are some that are more progressed, let's say, in their in their path. Some, you know, many cities are at different levels of of, of maturity. Yeah. You also have this com- the concept of greenfield cities versus brownfield cities. Right. So the cities that are currently existing and then, you know, those cities becoming smarter, as well as cities that are literally coming up from scratch, as we see in Saudi Arabia or in Egypt, you know, coming out of the desert literally to become smart cities. Right. We see some advanced cities in some Asian cities like in Seoul, Korea, in Incheon. You know, these these cities have really kind of jumped on the bandwagon in the early days, and they've really implemented a lot of things that have made citizens feel that they have kind of a... a a play in what is going on in their city. They're 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 more involved in, and the thing that to answer your question in, in such a way, it's it's a little bit complicated because it's hard to define how to measure a city. Now there are there are, let's say, publications out there that might do rankings and yeah. this kind of thing, but they'll use different metrics. Right. And right. so when you ask me, you know, so, some cities are smart because they have e-government services that really, you know, that the citizens can, it can right. use apps right. and right. can do these things. Some are smart because they have a really strong public safety and security implementation. Some are smart because they have street smart street parking and smart parking management across the city so it yeah. helps ease congestion. So it's a really tough question to answer. So you you mentioned greenfield or or basically uh, cities that are being built new versus brownfield cities that have been around for a long time. Yeah. I would imagine a greenfield would be a lot easier to to build because you're building into the infrastructure you're creating whatever you'd want to create. If it's planned and decided and designed well ahead of time. Are they not all thinking that way? They are, but as with any, you know, large organization, you'll have a lot of different opinions and different priorities. And so it's really a matter of where the where the budgets go. And so just like anything else economically based, smart cities is important because more people are moving there, but What's driving things like a push to sustainability? Is it the economic side of it or is it the desire for social change? Is there 
where, where, what's driving as you're talking to customers in, in governments, where, where are they seeing the critical driver for change? Yeah, I think it's really both. I think that there is an economic element to it. Our customers, the cities that we talk to and work with, the building owners and managers that we talk to, they want to save costs. They want to save money. Um, Energy is becoming more expensive. We're utilizing a lot more energy in our in every year, you know, year on year. And at the same time, there is a desire from citizens and from people to improve and enhance sustainability. We're seeing that climate change is becoming a real factor in our lives, mm-hmm. and we're looking for ways to improve that. So it's yeah. really both both aspects. We talk a lot about uh, sustainability, which I, th- I think makes sense, right? I, I understand how, how smart cities can help with that. Safety. Give me an example of how smart cities could help on uh, from a safety perspective. There's a lot of ways. So it goes it goes, you know, everything down to the camera level when we talk about using algorithms and and using intelligence, artificial intelligence to really, you know, understand and, and identify individual people. For example, let's say in a crowded environment where we want to have some more safety measures in place. And as well as all the way to kind of a macro level across the whole city, across, you know, managing, you know, airspace and around, you know, the, the, the traffic patterns and safety from road experiences, you know, to reduce the, the number of traffic accidents, you know, these kinds of things. It's ways that will help the citizens to feel more secure. Now, we don't, no one wants to live in a police state and no one wants to feel that. And so it has to be right. done in a subtle way so that people feel safe and secure in their city. Without Big Brother. Without Big Brother, yeah. exactly. And, and you know, that's one thing that's also really, really important. As people move more and more to urban areas, they want to move to places where they feel safe. You know, yeah. they want to move their families to urban places that are safe. No one wants to intentionally move to a city that's a dangerous city. And that's the other thing that cities begin to compete with each other on is which cities are safer and therefore attracting talent, attracting businesses, right. attracting, you know, all sorts of people to create and have a vibrant society living there. You're based in the Middle East here in Dubai. What is it about the Middle East and the focus on smart cities? How does it differentiate here from, say, the United States? Well, here you have quite a number of greenfield cities that are coming up. Um, Egypt has announced 16 cities that they're building. Saudi Arabia has announced 17 cities that they're building. And these are large-scale cities. From scratch. From scratch. Greenfield cities. From the desert up. From the desert up, exactly. And, you know, there's one city in Saudi Arabia that's gotten a lot of press that is going to be nearly the size of Belgium. A city that is nearly the size (laughs) of the country of Belgium. I mean, let that sink in. These are massive-scale cities. And it's an exciting place to be because there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of development. It's an emerging. These are emerging economies. These are high growth regions. So there's a lot of opportunity out here. There's a lot of opportunity for new technologies and for really kind of taking new and exciting things and technologies and placing them into these new environments and really testing them out. You know, here in Dubai, we're starting to see the local police department testing out flying cars. And we've been talking about that, you know, on paper for a number of years, but we're actually seeing that here. And that's a really fun place to be. 
we led off with discussion about impact on buildings, on transportation. We talked about healthcare. How is healthcare impacted by smart cities? So a healthcare and let's say hospitals are a really key critical part of any city. You know, what kind of services are available to the citizens and, and therefore the actual the buildings themselves, the hospitals, are really an important part of what the government can offer as services. So when we talk about hospitals, we want them to be made in the smartest possible way. We want them to be energy efficient. Uh, we want them to be, you know, managed in a proper way. And therefore, when we talk to hospitals, a lot of a lot of hospitals in the Meta, Middle East, Turkey, and Africa region are public or government-run hospitals. Not all of right. them, of course, like in any country, but a lot of them are, and they're government-funded, and they're Therefore, we're actually working with them on having, for example, centralized command and control centers to monitor the hospitals and the and the, the way that they're being managed for, in terms of their building systems, maximizing the efficiency of their investments that they have in their in their buildings or in their hospitals, and really using the best technologies we can. We work with many companies that are maybe specialized in those industries, like in hosp- in healthcare, for example, but. Honeywell is an expert in the field of smart buildings, and this is where we can ensure that those hospitals have the best kind of infrastructure. So how does one get into smart cities? <laughs> Tell us your story. How did, how did you find yourself a part of this burgeoning business opportunity? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Actually, it's been a really progressive journey and one that I didn't really imagine I would get in this space. And I guess that's because we didn't really know or imagine what smart cities were, you know, 20 years ago. But in my career, I've kind of moved into different paths that have been one step on top of the other. And so a number of years ago, I started working with a company that was developing the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest tower in the world, and the Dubai Mall, which is the largest mall in the world, and the area of Dubai, which is in the, they call it downtown Dubai, which was a you know, one square kilometer community within Dubai. From that, I've, I've I always had a technology background working in IT companies in the past and software. And I started working on different communities and we, we called it smart and connected communities back in my previous company. And then we, and then from there, I actually funnily enough became specialized in stadiums and smart stadiums, technology and stadiums. And I was focusing on emerging markets, which, you know, was included Latin America, Central Eastern Europe, Russia, Middle East. And if if anyone here listening to this is a fan of sports or big sports events, you'll uh, you'll remember that many of the large sports events, such as the World Cups, have been in these emerging markets. 2010 yeah. was in South Africa. 2014 was in Brazil. 2018 was in Russia. 2022 will be in Qatar. Yeah. And the Olympics, like the Sochi Winter Olympics, the Euro Cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I could go on and on. But the long story short of that is that. I actually started to look at these mega sports events as cities. These are countries and cities that have to develop themselves to host thousands upon thousands of people descending on their city for a period of a month or months in to be able to host a large event in a safe, sustainable right. and, you know, yeah. reliable way. And so from there, those big sports events became a city view. And then from there, I really started to look at cities and even countrywide projects for many of these countries in the emerging markets. And and this was kind of how one thing led to another. And then 
got a call from Honeywell. They say they want to do this. I joined. I jumped. If there's any company that can do this, it's Honeywell. And I have full belief in that. Why is that? I'm curious why Honeywell uh, has this. I mean, I know we do products and buildings and almost all of these industries. Mm-hmm. But why Honeywell? Because Honeywell, it has the breadth that any company would need to in order to, you know, really be able to fulfill a smart city goals or dreams. And Honeywell has the ability to do systems integration, which is a really critical component of having a truly smart city. And Honeywell has the right people. It has the right level of focus and, and ability to deliver. And that's what I that's what I've always believed. And I think that's why we're being successful in this space. So when you go in and visit a, a customer for the first time, what do they say they want? Some know what they want and some don't know what they want. Ah, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. So some some of them, you know, are very clear and very specific and say, you know, to the point where they'll say we want a smart parking solution or we want smart metering across our buildings. Got that's it. very clear very and point, specific. Point solutions they want Usually, to, to be delivered, yeah. okay. And then some will be like, well, we know we want a smart city, but we're not sure what to do what can we do? Right. And that's a great position for us because we can act as a trusted advisor to them. We can help them with setting their goals and their mission, their vision for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Sure. I mean, these are long-term projects usually, but also with some quick wins and kind of a plan, a roadmap in place for what they can implement, how and when, and ultimately, what do they want to achieve? Do they want more revenue? Do they want to cut their costs? Do they want to have a better brand, city brand, to, to attract people to come to that city? You know, and what's their, what's their end goal? And we can help them reach that. So I do, at the end of all of my episodes of the podcast, I do three questions that I ask all of our special guests. And Does that mean we're coming to an end? It doesn't have to be. <laughs> we'll tackle these questions as, as slowly as we need to. Okay. But the idea is to, to get to know you a little bit better. And by your accent, I can tell there seems to be an American accent there. Yeah. Where, where did you grow up? Between San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and... That was pretty much it, yeah. Okay. Question number one, what did you want to be when when you were young? What did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? A teacher. <laughs> really? Yeah. Did you have a specific subject you wanted to teach? No, but I loved learning and I loved my teachers. And I just always thought I want to do that because were they the were my the fr- heroes. Were you the kid at the front I of the was, class? I was, yeah. <laughs> always raising my hand. Always, yeah, that was me. And so when I was very young, that was really what I wanted to do. But I think as I got older, as I got into high school and started to kind of see the world, I think I had a general idea that I wanted to get more into business, but I didn't really know what it meant. And I loved technology. I loved math. I loved science. And so for me, it was something to do with that bringing that all together between you know math science technology and i ended up actually one of my majors i have a couple but one of them was management information systems mis and it's it's just something i've really always enjoyed so all right the second question what piece of technology could you not live without other than your phone (laughs) wow that's a really 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 good question it's an interesting one because you just described to us through smart cities all these hidden technologies yeah. we're not even aware are yeah. helping us come to life. True, true, <laughs> true. What's the what's the biggest technology I can't live without? Yeah, what piece of technology? Here's another one. <laughs> what app on your phone could you not live without? WhatsApp. 
What app? Oh, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Got it. Yeah, WhatsApp. Are you really? Is WhatsApp? Oh, yeah. Is WhatsApp in the Middle East really big? Yes, it's huge. I mean, that's the way I communicate with everybody across all time zones, mm-hmm. family, yeah. friends, everybody is on WhatsApp. That's number one, without a doubt. But back to the other question. I mean, honestly, like if I leave my home without my phone, I can't, I have to go back and get it. I can sure. leave my phone, my house without my wallet. That's fine. Without my purse, <laughs> totally. it's fine. Or without it's even my car phone. keys, whatever. Like I'll, you know, I'll totally. take a taxi. But my, my phone, oh my God, I can't. It's totally true. Third question. And this, I, I find this very telling of a, of a person. How many unread emails are in your inbox right now? Probably thousands. if you combine if you combine my outlook with my personal email (laughs) yeah okay got it sure outlook i would maybe say hundreds (laughs) yeah so in that parentheses where it says how many there's like a few hundred probably i don't even pay attention anymore it's just the numbers add up and they keep adding and that is what it is (laughs) and if you really need me then Eventually, you're either gonna. I know how to. I call. I do WhatsApp. Or you're gonna WhatsApp me. There you go. There you go. Dina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Joe. That was fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. If you like what you heard, leave us a review where you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe to go behind the scenes of future technology. 